Hi, everybody. It's Lissa. This is Phil. And this is the Bitch Seat, the podcast. Uh, it's Sunday, and um, we're making mouth noises into the microphone because we're that's so disgusting. Right. Because now we get to sit in the big kids' chairs. Did you, hey, did you ever have like a a profession that you would pretend to, to be when you were little, like when you had playtime? Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, doctor. I was I was always like a doctor, but not in a sexual way. No, no. I mean, I would just like I would <laughs> I would take the Fisher Price like the instruments and just like put them on someone and be like, all right, like, but be being in proximity of me touching you with that cured you, you know? Of like, course, of course. Also, anything that had a gun, any profession where in which okay, there was guns. let's reroute this yeah. conversation immediately. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we have a really, um, I'm very excited about our guest today because he's such a good friend and a good supporter of the show. And his name is Josh Krebs. And I'm going to talk more about him in a second. Um, but uh, I was thinking about um, small children trying to make big people moves, like pretending that they're big people. I definitely had a uh, like an office set because I was pretending to be my dad who was a lawyer and it had envelopes and papers and shelves and all this stuff. Um, and, uh, and Josh wrote, uh, a script when he was 17 that has a lot of very adult themes in it, even though he was a, a wee thing. And, um, so I want to kick it off with, uh, sorry, there's some really strange haunted creaking happening in this, so I'm just going to mention it and that'll make it go away. Haunted creaking? He's just moving his seat. He's just adjusting his seat. He's a ghost. Uh, okay. So when I was in sixth grade, we had to do this um, writing assignment where we had to use dialogue because we were learning how to do like the quotation marks and the proper indentation and all that stuff. And I'm not really a person who writes stuff like that because I write, I would just like straight up write my feelings. You know, I've been a memoirist since the time I was like seven. So it was a challenge uh, that I had to write this piece of fiction that included some dialogue. And here is what came out uh, from my sixth grade teacher. Which book is this, by the way? Oh, this is from the, this is from the, the unnamed composition book. It's the, the black and white marbled notebook, oh, it's but the there's an, no it, name. It's the uh, anthology sessions. That's right. Posthumous release. That's of, right. Well, because yeah. what because what's written in this book is stuff that I, I would turn it in for teachers to oh. to look at. So, uh, which I think I mentioned last time, but it shouldn't have been. A lot of the stuff shouldn't have been public, but it was. So what can I say? Uh, so this was for a uh, sixth grade English class, and it's called A Dialogue. It was when Sherry and I were, watching, were walking side by side down a narrow corridor at the Moon Dance Club when she said something that startled me. I kissed Aaron, you know. My jaw dropped and my eyes bulged. How could you, Sherry? I thought you were going out with Dominic. He'll never know, Sherry said with a sinister chuckle and a shrug. I thought Aaron was cute. I had every right to kiss him. I thought through this. It just was not fair. I didn't particularly like Sherry. She was such a conceited, popular show-off. I also thought Aaron was cute, adorable in fact, but I didn't kiss him. Sherry, why is it that you are popular and get all the guys? We'd walked into an empty room, and the door had closed behind us, shutting in the private argument. How should I know? Sherry's voice was rising. If the boys want to like me, that's just fine with me. She was shouting now. I was just born popular and you weren't. This really set me off. Sherry, I hate you. I've always hated you. You always had to be the prettiest and the best. I was always jealous of you. And then, through the blurriness of my tears, I saw something shiny in Sherry's hand. 
As I wiped the salty droplets from my eyes, I saw that it was a silver pistol, and it was aimed right at me. Of course you'd pick a silver pistol. I don't know why. Uh, uh, again, like, I was 12 when I wrote this, but I was thinking that this is how, I mean, like, 35-year-olds talk yeah, to each other. nightclubs with saxophones and stuff. And That's all I ever thought about. Silver pistols. That's all I ever thought about. Never, never, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, you won't have to be jealous anymore. Her voice had become a threatening whisper. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's try that again. You won't have to be jealous anymore. Her voice had become a threatening whisper, barely audible. I was just born this way. I got the looks. I got the laugh. I got the walk. And you didn't. But you won't have to be jealous anymore. Sherry, you... You wouldn't dare, I cried. (laughs) Beads of nervous sweat forming at my forehead. Why not? None of the boys will ever suspect me. I'm too perfect. Only the good die young. Oh, come on. I had to add that in there, you know. I was a big Billy Joel fan. What can I say? My voice came out tiny and quivering when I spoke. I'm a good person, Sherry. God won't let me die. Someone is going to save me. And then there was a bang, and Aaron was at the doorway. Damn straight, he said. Sherry whirled around. I'm sorry, she wheeled around. I was really into verbs. Uh, Hi, Aaron, she exclaimed with one of her cutesy little giggles. We were just talking. Sherry, I'm not stupid, and I'm not deaf either. I heard the whole thing, and you're such a liar. You never kissed me, and I'd never let you anyway. In fact, if I had to choose between the two of you, it would probably be Maggie. I blushed tomato red. Of course, you're not going to tell anyone, Sherry said nervously. We have every right, Aaron said, as we each took hold of one of Sherry's arms and dragged her out the door. Wow. That uh, was an assignment that I turned in. And were these real people? No way. I'm clearly the Maggie character. All right. Sherry was modeled on a girl who I was jealous of. And That's Aaron, what I'm asking. Listen, I had recently gone to Jordan Selitker's bar mitzvah, and um, I had a crush on this guy, Aaron Birch. I have no idea what became of him. I mean, I had a crush on a lot of guys, but Aaron Birch was there, and this girl, Sarah, I'm not going to use her last name because I, I like her and I wouldn't want to make her feel weird, but like... You already said her name. I just modeled... I, yeah, but I knew about 10 Sarahs. I mean... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I just modeled the whole thing on a conversa- an imaginary conversation I had between me and her. I could never actually write fiction. I only had to write things that were extension of myself. Of course. Well, I mean, fiction can be an extension of yourself. Yeah, but this was pretty, it was pretty on the nose. And also the fact that, like, that someone was going to murder me over a, a crush on a boy. It was just... That's, that's where your head was at at the time. <sighs> anyway, you I... got to get on my ass I, about guns, but you got, you got a gun in your story. I know. That's, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, don't that judge. That worked out. That worked out. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't really a big, a big, uh, fiction writer and my, my English teacher who, you know, of course I was a perfect, annoyingly perfect straight A student. And she, she wrote a note about how concerned she was. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) she didn't understand where it came from, but I would like, I would read like two fear street books a day just for months on end. I was just consuming that kind of violence so hard. I used to write, I wrote a a whole story about how I spent Halloween with Freddy Krueger and Jason and Michael Myers and everybody, and they slept over, and (laughs) it was all friendly, and my... My uh, my teacher was like really enjoyed it, but the second draft I handed in, I just changed it all up. I mean, it was the same thing. I just changed the dialogue and kept doing rewrites. But she just kept like she gave me an A, but she would really like yell at me about rewrites. Like I'm not asking you to rewrite it. I just want gra- grammar error like errors fixed. 
because you apparently oh, you like, were way ahead of the game. You were like she liked the first joke. Like, I'm working yeah. on my edits. Yeah, really. That's that's where editing I was at. is harder than the than the writing itself. Not really. I feel like it's getting the the baby out of there. You know, it's just getting the okay. We have opposite birth problems. We do. It's just getting out of there, and then I'll just design it as I go. Just fix it design in. the baby. I'll design just like baby. shape the limbs as I as I. No, I have a problem. Once it's out, I can't edit it. It's like I can't touch it anymore. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that's the, that's why. Like, I I could do so much better if I could just fucking write the first like the first draft. The first draft is the hardest thing for me. Wow. We should uh figure out. Maybe you write the first draft. I'll do the editing. And. Uh, Sounds like we have a real Jack Spratt situation here. Jack Spratt? What's Jack Spratt? Jack Spratt would eat no fat. His wife would eat no lean. Do you not know this nursery rhyme? No, because... And then between the two of them, they licked the platter clean. What is that? It's a nursery rhyme. Okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I mean, is there meaning? Is it a grim nursery rhyme? Did they, like, eat each other? What happened? No. One of them eats the fat. One of them eats the lean stuff. And they don't leave any waste because they consume the whole animal together. Okay. So th- this Jack Spratt situation is positive. Yes. All right. Cool. Let's bring on the guest. Okay. <laughs> All right. So our guest is a really good friend of ours, really big supporter of the show. Um, he also has his own podcast on this same network called Bloody Date Night. Um, he's been a, a performer on Gas Station Horror, which is an awesome show at the pits. Been running for about three years. Uh, his Twitter handle, because everybody needs to know about it, is at Josh underscore Krebs. And um, he, he's also got a really awesome, crazy solo show called Maniac that's coming back in April. So stay tuned for that. Please give it up for our friend Josh Krebs. Doesn't that make you feel so good? Some Asia? It makes me feel something. I don't know if it's, if it's, I don't know what it makes me feel. I haven't heard that song in so long. It's uh, heat of the moment, right? That's right. Heat of the moment. Oh man. Yeah, I feel like you you captured a lot of those in your in your script <sighs> oh, that, that we're going to share. Some See, about. here's the thing: is that I was I was I knew because I knew going into this show that there is always some sort of song that kind of introduces you as you as you're in as you are coming onto the show, and I and 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 seeing. Re- remembering writing this when I was 17, I wanted it to be like dashboard confessional or like, oh God, something, something like the Ataris. Yes. I don't know if I pronounce that properly. Ataris, Ataris. Ataris, yeah. yeah. Ataris. I'm something sorry like that. about that. No. You don't get to choose. How dare, how dare you? Yeah. How no. dare you do things on your show the way you normally you, do them? You've teched a few. We only use 80s music. Yeah, that is true. I mean, no, well, we throw, we we threw in Kiss Me a few times. Yeah, and some, some of the 90s stuff. stuff. But Dashboard Confessional, I feel like, was such a was during my college years. Really? I mean, I didn't listen to it myself, but my like freshman year, I had some friends oh, who listened man. to it, and so I don't associate it with seventh grade. It was Me it was it was so funny because like listening listening to Dashboard Confessional because like I have not listened to that band in so fucking long, and then you go back and listen to the stuff that you used to listen to when you were a kid, and you were like. My taste in music was so fucking horrible. <laughs> like I had, like other than other than my like I listened to a lot of punk, but also I listened to just like a bunch of just garbage. And then listening to Dashboard Confessional, I was like, how could I have not have killed myself by the time I yeah, was eighteen years old? What was your favorite Dashboard Confessional song? I remember. Um, was it this bitter pill? No, 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 no. That's oh, a little. God, God, God. There's a song. Um, oh man. 
Uh, I can sing it for you, but I'm not going to do it. Is it um? Is uh, it uh, screaming infidelities? Screaming infidelities. Yeah, thank you. Thank I you, love thank that you, thank one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I gotta yes. say, I, I, I just was not in the dashboard I mean, confessional. I was wagon. in there for about a hot month, and then I was like, I don't want to be mopey. I don't want to be sad about this. Oh, anymore. I was sad all the time, but I mean, I got it all from Radiohead. I didn't. Yeah. That was yeah. all the mopey. See, I, I, I didn't. I didn't get into Radiohead until probably when I was in in college. Yeah, freshman year. I had yeah. my like second or third day. I was doing this play, and uh, one of my uh, show mates' friends was like. Listen, you have to listen to OK Computer. If the next the next thing you do is get OK Computer, and you have to listen to it, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take this as a prescription, and mm-hmm. and then there it is. It's what how it happened. See, I, I think I'm I, I'm one of those people that is very eclectic as far as music goes. So if I hear something that I really enjoy, I will go after it. Yeah, like that's kind of what I do, and then and then I keep on going after it until I've pretty much sullied all of the music that I can within that certain genre or that certain <laughs> band. Yeah, you exhaust like, everything. Like like literally, like in 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 high school, it was. Oh God, I'm sublime. Like sublime Listen, was like dude, my dude, fucking jam was sublime. There is nothing wrong with sublime and. I have to say that mm. listening to summertime in the middle of the winter it's, time yeah. is a really good pick me up. Well, here's I know the thing. Phil's not into it, but I just love it. Never this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm this. Sorry. I'm going to say this is that they were a good band. They were the fine. only pro- <laughs> 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 They were a really good so band. Sorry. But um, the thing was is that people gave them such shit because the the songs that they were known for were not very good. I'm sorry. Like their main, what? I didn't even stop. I just it's kept like you going. Had so much, you had so much energy bursting out that you had to sneeze to let out some, or else you'd explode. I will. I will right. quote my good friend Sabrina, who said, "I anticipate that when you die, your body will just open up, and a smaller man is just going to." <laughs> <check out." laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that makes sense." So, um, sublime. Sublime. So the whole idea is that like sublime around that time was like, I listened to all their albums. So that was like my thing. And then everybody's like, Oh no, they fucking suck. I was like, well, the songs that they're known for get so overplayed that, you know, they, they're horrible, but but there are, there are songs that they do have that I'm like, that are really fucking good that, that, you know, not that many people have learned or learned or listened to. So, so. oh, I okay. So to bring it back to you, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, let's don't talk try about to, me Don't more. try to deflect. Oh shit. Um, you said that you. How were, are you? No, no, this is not about. <laughs> I already did my piece. All right. Um, you you were a musician as well in high school. Yes. You were, were you in a punk band? Did you I, have your own band? Yes. You played guitar. No, no, I played drums. Oh, I played awesome. drums. Yeah. Uh, I. When I was uh, 13, 14 years old, I saved up enough money to buy my own drum set, which I begged my parents to let me do. And they said, you can do it, but you have to pay for it on your own. So I saved up all my money and I and I actually finally got one and I played up and through high school and then by the time I was maybe like 16 or 17 when I actually was able to load all my stuff into my truck that I owned because I what? lived in Texas. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, whereabouts in Texas? This was in uh, Plano, Texas, which is maybe about mm, 15, 20 minutes outside of Dallas. Okay. So it was, it was a very suburban, like... Uh, the, around the time that I was growing up there, like in my my sixteen, my teenage years, was when my hometown was becoming very affluent. Like mm-hmm. a lot of like rich families and money came in, and of course, my family being kind of the middle class, they were. You know, we were kind of just, you know, we kind of just did our own thing. So I I had a truck in high school, mm-hmm. which was an '89 Ford pickup. What color? It was it was actually a 
uh, a mixture of it was just a white it was a, a plain white truck but on the bottom it had this like weird w- racing stripe it like at the, at the, as you like at, were there flames on it no 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 my my dad no my dad put a kibosh on that in the moment. <laughs> nice I asked him to get truck nuts on it and he said no what the fuck are truck nuts you don't know truck nuts what are no, oh, no you never dude, heard I, of truck nuts I, I grew, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a Yankee I grew oh, up in Jesus. Connecticut I maybe do not the, know what truck maybe nuts this are. is like a southern thing but they were literally these steel uh <laughs> testicles that you would put on the back of your car on like the um like near the license plate so they would literally hang from the back that tail is of your- so fucking disgusting it is one of the most obnoxious things oh, i've ever seen I before i just in my googled head. it and what the fuck yeah Crabs. all right okay so no but let me let me also specify that was a joke i never asked my dad for that <laughs> truck nuts these are they're metal i testicles. say i say that because it's just because so many fucking people i knew in high school had that stuff so just- okay so let's i want to put this in a little, in a little more context because i'm frankly really fascinated by texas it's a place that i've never been to and like i love friday night lights and that's kind of my only reference point. i'll tell you right now like that is a pretty good depiction of what texas life is yeah and yeah. were you, and did you feel, okay, I have so many questions for you. We've got, we've got all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> or until Kent kicks us out. Yeah. Um, was your, was your fan, so you were into punk, were you a little bit on the outskirts socially of your school or were you, or were you like a well-liked social happy kid? You know, it's funny cause I was actually thinking about that. Um, earlier this week and I was like I don't know how to answer this question when uh, you have to go back to the beginning which was essentially like my 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 dad was a government contractor so the whole uh, the whole process was was that we would stay in a in a town for three years and then we'd leave but always so, in Texas no no this is a uh, Germany Georgia um, oh, Massachusetts Missouri and then finally Texas so it was a three-year span that we would stay in these places. And so every three years, I kind of just grew into this idea of like, you know, I'm never going to have to remember any of these people. Yeah. And they're never going to remember me. So it's kind of, and then by the time I got to Texas, I was like, no one really gives a shit about this. So I'm never going to meet these people ever again, which we ended up living there for, I think, my parents still live there, so I lived there up until when I left for New York, which is maybe about 17, 18 years. But still, it, sound, it sounds like the fact that you had to move so much actually forced you to have a more, a less precious, more zen outlook toward people because you didn't have to, because you're like, it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, the thing, the problem is though, is that what sucks is that um, I still had this mindset, but by the time I reached probably about 15 or 16 years old where you start to kind of get an idea of like being a part of something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to specifically get along with other kids for a long-term thing. You know what I mean? Because you hadn't tried Yeah, because I hadn't tried before. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, well, am I into sports? Let's try it. So Because I played sports when I was a kid. I played mm-hmm. soccer and I was like, okay, I'll play soccer. I'm good at, like, I'm kind of an athlete, but, you know, I'm not. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm kind of, you know. (laughs) There were scouts and everything. Um, I played soccer, and then so I was like, okay, so I'll try soccer. And then it was just full of douchebags, like fucking assholes. And I was like, no goddamn way. And I went to my dad, and I was like, look, listen, I like playing soccer, but the guys who I'm with on my team are fucking dicks. Yeah. And my dad goes, well, do you want to do it next year? I was like, not really. But also... 
my parents still wanted me to be active. Were they, and were your parents more like friend parents or were they like parental parents? They're very parental. Like my parents are very were very parental. They kind of had a, an idea of like where um, they kind of wanted, they wanted, they knew that I wanted to be a little bit of an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're an only child or no? No, no, I've got a brother and a sister. And you're in the middle? I'm the middle baby. So nice. that means I'm oh, like, I'm like, yeah, it. I'm the black, I'm like the, uh, the rebellious child as many people would say. Nice. nice. So I think yeah. what my parents did where they were like very much just like, we understand that you kind of want to be an individual, but also there are going to be limits to what you do as far as your individuality. Like I was like. Limits according to them? Or at, limits, according limits according to, to them. Like, no, no, to them. Because my, my parents are very, my, my dad grew up in Iowa and my mom grew up in Missouri. So, pretty, you know. So pretty like, um. Uh, conservative style people yeah like if I I remember saying one day to them like I might get an earring and they said fuck no you're not doing that you do that we'll kick you out oh. and I was like okay a couple of years uh, a couple of years later when I was like 17 all my friends started to get tattoos mm-hmm. so I was like oh you know what if I and I went to them I was like you know what if I went to go get a tattoo and my parents go absolutely fucking not if you do that again you're gonna get kicked out because of because of church stuff i i don't know i think that like they they have they associated tattoos and earrings with unsavory yeah like unsavory like i i did a lot of dumb things when i was a kid like 17 years old and my parents were just like like why why would you do that first of all it's stupid unsafe and well, also like such as what um we would go <laughs> Oh Jesus! Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> do not um, make us pull this episode. No, no, no. So, but, what, you know, so what? We, no, 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 no. So, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about the night that we almost got arrested by the police when oh, I was nice. like sixteen okay. or seventeen years old. So, um, this is what in in this this town that I lived in. Usually, if you had money, you were able to go out in your cars and you go out and drink. And then my my friends who were just kind of like these fucking punk ridiculous outcasts sort people of. that you played music with um friends and people that i played music with yeah did one of them wear goggles what i mean we we're of the age where, the, where I, goggles was a fashion uh, accessory i was just curious you know trucker hat here's the thing no no but i but i did have goggles in my truck when so I. so you wore the goggles i didn't wear the goggles i didn't wear the goggles but i did have them in my truck okay. although i was at, at, at uh, speaking of individuality in high school i actually had these um yellow tinted like glasses that i'd wear so it was kind of these it's like i was in the band like you sugar S, ray you were hunter s thompson i was hunter s did you, thompson, were you basically. reading uh, the books then or his stuff? Uh, no, no. Uh, I was a, I was familiar. The only thing that I read by Hunter S. Thompson was something like anything that I could find online, really, which really wasn't that much because yeah. back then the internet was just you know beeps and bloops. Yeah, and he, he kept up small correspondences on the internet. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that like my like I loved to read when I was a kid, but it was always like the first book that I read that like blew my fucking mind that I actually had to hide was American Psycho. Nice. Uh-huh. So I read that when I was probably 15. And so I had to hide that from my parents because if they saw that, they'd be like, what the fuck is your problem? You know, because I think for a while they seriously thought that there was something wrong with me that I needed to uh, their, their solution was always going to church. And and is it because, I mean, and I want to get back to the story about how you got into this tussle with the cops, but yeah. your parents thought there was, quote unquote, something wrong with you. Does it have to do with your eyebrows? What the? <laughs> because I, because I just, okay, so 
for the listeners, there will be pictures of Krebs uh, at thebitchseatpodcast.com. But um, there's something about your eyebrows that makes you look really intense and scary. And we've talked about this before. You're not an intense or scary person. I'm not, I'm not but, really, but I feel like that that is what people get from me when they see me. And why? I mean, like, when you so when you were that age... Did you give your parents reason to believe that you were a loose cannon or volatile? Yeah, because I'd always raise my eyebrows at them. And I'd be like, <laughs> look at my fucking eyebrows, mom. Look at it. <laughs> and she was like, what? Uh, we, raised a, we raised a child monster. No, like, I, I, I think that between my brother and my sister, my brother's a lot more uh, submissive as far as like, being a little bit more outgoing and he's a lot more introverted my sister as well i'm i am i am a lot more outgoing than they are mm-hmm. i would say um and um so i think that when i would go out and do like weird shit my parents would be like well why can't you just go out and do what the normal do kids what do. the normal kids are doing you know my, my my brother would go out and um you know uh play basketball in the backyard and I would say to my parents, it's like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out with David and Ryan. They're like, where are you going? It's like, we're just going to go drive around, which we did. That's what we did. Yeah. that's. And they never believed me because that was too weird, I guess. Something's always suspicious of that. But I don't know. Like, I think it was just kind of like, I was just so in touch with just, just like being an individual. Yeah. So early on that, like, I was just kind of like, I didn't really know what I want or what I fit in with. So I kind of just did my own fucking thing. And then at some point I just started gaining all these friends and I was kind of like, all right, well maybe this is kind of like what, what it is. Like I've, I've unlocked or I cracked the code basically. And did, which is also, I think a really wise beyond your years kind of, I, kind, I mean, of Dow yeah, kind of down. It's, it's, I mean the only blessing that I think of being moved around so a lot when I was, when I was little was just that essentially like, when you finally find a place that you're stuck with for so long that you kind of are forced to accept the fact that, you know, you have to find a place. And when you're in high school, you're kind of just stuck with these people for so long. Or or like when you live in a town, you're stuck with these people for so long that you never really... That's why, why, uh, you know, going back to the shows that I've seen, A Bitch Seat, you, you have to leave your hometown. You have to leave it. And, that, and that's in the same sense of just like in high school. Well, I also think that uh, uh, the many of the people who, first of all, many people who come to New York and many people who come to New York specifically to do something in the arts or yeah. comedy uh, are people who who did feel like individuals from the beginning, you know, because the people who did, like the people who fit right in in their towns yeah. are, are not doing shows like this. Yeah, know? I mean... And and it's funny is that even though when when we were in in high school we were kind of roped into doing things that the normal the normal the normies the normies <laughs> would do, but even when we would go we would just kind of like do our own fucking thing, you know? Like we would go to. So yes, so let's yeah. go back to that. Let's go back to the cop story that you started. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, so what we would do, what we would do this would be a routine thing almost every single weekend. Um, we would go out to the thrift store, which would be like our second hangout, mm-hmm. buy a really cheap television set, <laughs> go to Walmart, buy a baseball bat or a sledgehammer, go out in the middle of a field in Texas, set it down and just spend an hour just bashing the shit out of the <laughs> That is awesome. I wish I had so, the chance. Well, yeah. that's what um, 
throwing the printer out the window. What uh, office space? Office space. When they, yeah. when they, they yeah. take it on the field. And, yeah, 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 yeah. We never had big areas to do that. I wish I could have. I know, not in Connecticut either. Everybody would it's, would see what you were doing. I, and it yeah. was so much fun. It and was. It was. Must did, have been. Did you do? And I mean, that sounds. I kind of want to do that now. Do it. Let's go. Oh, oh my god, it's so much fun. But, I could, we could find places. Yeah. Did anybody? Did anybody besides you and your friends ever find out? That you, did you clean up after yourself? No, no. You just like left no, we the just shattered left pieces there. in a field. Yeah, <laughs> we were sending a message. So the cops caught you one time. Yeah. So um. So the deal was was that out in the middle, like in our. I'm sorry. Uh, hold on. I'm sorry. How many times did you do this? <laughs> Almost every weekend for about 15 up till when I was when I left Texas. So a few years <laughs> once a week. So these a few years these once poor a week. cops were like, well, I don't know these these guys. They keep breaking these televisions and leaving the bat in the field. Yeah, these poor the, TV. The TV killer. It's probably the TV killer. taken from someone's home. I bet you they're thieves. That that actually correlates to this story. <laughs> so um, so. Uh, Every every open space in in Texas is sooner or later an open field is going to be turned into something. So, uh, a couple miles outside of my hometown, uh, we would go and they would start building these um, housing developments that would open in the next year. And so we were like, all right, well let's just go out there because no one's there, no one lives there. You know, we'll just go out there, do it, and then we'll leave. And plus, it's not lit because no one's going to go ahead and turn on electricity in a place that's not no one's living in. Yeah. So we're like, we'll just do it in the dark. And we'll have like, you know, light flashlights and everything like that. So we did it at night? Yeah, we do it at night. <laughs> God. So so we took this um, this I think it was a television television that we had bought from a thrift store. And we, so we we're in the middle of this field, like outside of this housing development, and we just start going at it. And so, and so we just start smashing it, and this is sledgehammer. So there's like five kids standing around the television set, beating it with like a base. It, it's it was now that rec- this is pretty badass. It sounds now like I'm a scene that it. was cut out of the Goonies. Honestly. Oh god, we were like, we were like, I don't know, we were like the Goonies that on meth or something. I guess you could call it <laughs> the darker, Goonies. the darker Goonies. So the modern we're Chris going Nolan reboot yeah. Goonies. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Steven Spielberg, call me. I will write <laughs> the new Goonies, but it's just going to be an hour of them smashing televisions. <laughs> so, um, so we're doing it for about fifteen minutes, and all of a sudden, we just we just hear whoop whoop. Oh no! And we're all like, "Fuck!" So this this cop car pulls up, and uh, obviously, you guys don't know, but Texas cops are some of the worst cops. And why? They're all the same. They all are overweight, buzz cut, um, very alpha. Um, uh, they the best. I've met two or three cops in Texas that I've actually gotten along with, and and uh, everyone, every single one of them, other than that, are basically like. Of course, I'm generalizing, but dudes who peaked in high school and now the only the only rocks they can get is when they go and bust kids for sure. Mm. So basically, basically. <laughs> The cops were doing to you guys what you were doing to the TVs. No, yes, but they didn't beat us with. Beat but us I mean, with. I mean, it was the same desire. It came from the same desire yeah. to feel some control and. Uh, um, I don't know if it I mean, was necessarily control, control, but it was just it was just kind of this thing where we just had a lot of. Um, uh oh! Here comes I'm another monster. Again. Just, <laughs> sorry, I, it might happen again, but it almost snuck up on me. Um, it was kind of this thing where we we didn't have really any much to do so and we just had a lot of energy and we 
kind of didn't have anything else so we were just like let's just do this you know and it was just kind of and it's harmless it it really is harmless because we bought the television set we bought the sledgehammer the only thing that they that really they could have busted us on was we were going to leave shit shit in in a field yeah and here's the thing going back on when the cops showed up because they had nothing better to do um they were like what it was like probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night and he goes, what are you guys doing here? We're like, oh, well. And we were totally honest. We're like, you know, we just came out here and we're smashing this television set. Yeah. And then they go, where'd you steal it from? And we're oh, like, nowhere. We bought off. it. He's like, no, where did you steal it from? And we're like, nowhere. We went to a thrift store and we bought it. And so in order to scare us, they put us all in a lineup and oh. searched us. They searched all of us. They patted us down. They searched us. And of course... Uh, my friends had tattoos and uh, stuff like that, so they were immediately subject to suspicion. Right. And so they didn't find anything, of course, because none of us really, none of us smoked, and none of us, none of us smoked weed, and none of us uh, were drinking around this time, which was kind of awkward now, considering uh, what my lifestyle is now. Um, <laughs> but what, did you drink in high school? Not really, no. I didn't start drinking probably until college. Same. I mean, yeah. I think that's why we have such endurance at this point in our lives. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I think that probably in high school, I was just, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of was like, eh, I, I don't, you know, I just don't, I didn't see any point in it. Yeah. But you'll smash a TV. I oh, mean, yeah. I'll smash the shit out of it. I will break <laughs> into your house and steal your television. But so, so the cops put you no, in a you'll lineup. you'll buy it. And then, yeah, yeah like, a, like a good civilized If we're going to break the law, we're at yeah. least going to break the law in the slow, yeah. in like the, the menial way possible. Yeah. yeah. You know? But they didn't, they couldn't arrest any of you, right? No, of course. They, they couldn't arrest us. But what they did is they wasted our time. <laughs> of course. We could have been smashing this. Hand, uh, no, but they put us in this lineup for an hour and searched us. And then they put one of my buddies in the back of a cop car to scare us telling him he was going to go to jail because we were trespassing on the property of the housing development. Right. And so, and so <laughs> my friend Martina at the time, who was kind of this, um, kind of like very rebellious. She was the most, um, rebellious out of all of us. She, she would say, there was a girl in your, there game. was a girl. Yeah. We had two or three, there was two or three girls that we hung out with. It's so. pretty hardcore. Yeah, she was, yeah, it was, it was, we were pretty progressive guys. Um, <laughs> so she, but she was just like, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock at night. Call up the owners. I guarantee you, they'll be like, how many people are on my property? And you called me for this. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And there's and and so we were just kind of like, yeah, you're just keeping us out here for no reason. So they kept us out there for an hour and they let us go. Ugh. And they said, well, we better not see you out here ever again. We're like, yeah, no problem. And then the next weekend. And then the next weekend, yeah. we just found another space. <laughs> we were like, yeah, you obviously don't know how big Texas is. So. We're, we're definitely we're definitely doing this activity as do soon it. as humanly possible. Absolutely. Oh, you can be the ringleader. Yeah, I'll do it. It's great. It's oh. so much oh, fun. Man. So when in this, so this happened all through high school, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, to to segue over to this uh, your your script that we're gonna read yeah um, were the same feelings involved like the same feelings of like needing to blow some steam off involved in writing this script do you remember where where it came from where- I'll yeah like I remember um, I was watching my favorite movie at the time in high school was Chasing Amy oh no so. As I was watching, it's like, oh yeah, I really get it. I really get this. Like this is, this is like speaks to me. Like 
it it was and it actually is still one of my favorite movies. It is really really well done. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the only Kevin Smith movies that I still enjoy rewatching. What about so, Clerks? Clerks is great. Clerks is really right. good. Uh, aside from the back fact that it's just you can clearly tell it was shot for $125,000 which isn't that big it. of a deal but it's still it's got a lot of charm to it but with with chasing amy you know it's 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 a very it's a much more compelling story to me mm-hmm. it's it's a story of just like you know dealing it's 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 a condensed it's it's a it's a what i looked at it as was a relationship over the course of like 20 years condensed into about an hour and a half mm mm-hmm. Uh, it, which is these I mean if you've never seen the movie it's Ben Affleck and he's in love with this lesbian and she ends up falling in love with him and he's concerned about her sexual history and then that ends up leading to them breaking up spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Chasing Amy well you know too bad because they've had years to watch <laughs> you've it you've had this years point. Ben Affleck still hasn't seen it yet <laughs> um, so and, and it moved you in, in well, because of the, the the relationship aspect of yeah, it yeah well I think in high school like because I was still also just like no one I I no I didn't have a girlfriend. I wasn't dating anybody, and uh, the big thing was is that I wasn't a very big guy. You know, I was like five four. Mm-hmm. I'm still. I think I'm like five four now. So I haven't grown since maybe I was like maybe sixteen. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I would like go up to girls and be like, yeah, you know, hey, let's go out. And I literally was told I cannot date you because you are too short. Oh, I've been told that. I'm so Which sorry. Which is, it's fine. It's fine. I've I've learned to accept it. <laughs> well, plus plus your girlfriend now is smoking. Hot. My my girlfriend now is fucking amazing. Yeah. Like she's everything that I ever wanted in another person. So it's fantastic. And we're both short people too. So, <laughs> and wouldn't it blow your mind if like we just like she was like this five foot an 10. Amazon yeah an Amazon. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So that that's kind of what stemmed this. Like, um. I just I started writing probably when I was like you know fourteen on small things and then uh, like after I saw Chasing Amy I was like oh fuck I can write so I can write something that's that's you know all about like depression and and being in and out of a relationship and sex and all these adult things that I thought you know teenagers dealt with yeah. which is something that uh, it's it's a very hyper hyper reality of what my life actually was at the time because I was. I was a very happy kid. I was a very like energetic individual, but also like I took not being uh, wanted by or you know like like being being wanted by a girl like to be very you know like personal. Dude, it's the most painful yeah, thing it there is, is. It, and that's the one thing that is like I'm sure that people were able to kind of maybe uh, deal with that. Earlier, I don't know if they dealt with that earlier, but like I kind of didn't deal with that till I was maybe like sixteen or seventeen or maybe fifteen because that's when I finally found that's myself. When you were finally in one place. For finally long in one place for long enough to where I can be like, well, you know, might as well get some ass while I'm here. Right, right. <laughs> that fifteen-year-old. No, nah, never mind. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where this stemmed from. And did you uh, did you show it to anybody? Um, did I show this to anybody? Um, I showed it to. I, I, I sent it to a few agents. Um, uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, my, my, I think I, I showed it to some friends. And I, it was kind of one of those things where I was just like, can you just read this? Tell me if it sucks. If not, you know, amazing. Because uh, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. All I knew was that I had wrote something that I 
kind of wanted to know, like, like is, like, what, how's it, how's it look, basically? Yeah, and what did they say? Oh, you know, they're just support. Like my friends are supportive. My par- my friends were like amazing. But did you show this to your parents? It's pretty dark. No, fuck no. Are you kidding me? My parents, my parents still think I'm a virgin. <laughs> and they will until the day you get married. Oh, maybe. By the way, do they approve of you living in New York? No, absolutely, ab- absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. My parents always ask me. I think they've accepted it in the past couple of years. Now that I'm in a committed relationship. But they, but every year I'd go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, they would ask for me to come back to Texas. Wow. Yeah. Every single time. I had no idea. Which is, I mean, which is, I mean, they, all their kids were in the same place. Like, I'm the only one who was not. You were the black sheep. Yeah, I was not the one. I was the only one who was not within about 10 minutes away from where they lived. So, you know, it was one of those things where they wanted all the baby birds Close to the nest, I guess. Well, of course. I mean, I feel like all parents. Yeah, most parents I mean, I, I think that, I think that once once, and of course, there were a couple of times where I was like, let's, you know, maybe I should move back, maybe I should, you know. But then again, I'd be maybe. But I don't but know. look at all the freaks you've become friends with here. Oh, so they many don't exist in Plano. No, fuck no. Are you kidding me? I there's no way you're gonna find a Frankie Z in in Plano, Texas. <laughs> What am I doing here? Uh, well, you, you might... guys got a Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to reading. Let's get to reading some of these excerpts. Um, uh, tell. Uh, let's do a, a setup, sort of, of like a basic, a basic plot line. Um, it's. I mean, uh, if, if I tried to give you a synopsis of this movie, it would be incoherent, really, because even I didn't know what this whole thing was. Uh, essentially, uh, the lead character is Jake, who um, at the beginning of the movie is very, uh, very uh, love torn, and he and he can't find a girl. And then he finds a girl named Becca at a party. And then uh, the f- the first ten pages of the script is there is the is the beginning, middle, and end of their relationship. And then the rest <laughs> of the and the rest of the script is us basically seeing how he deals with it. Uh huh. So um, in the context of this scene that we're about to read. Uh, this is what I thought relationships were and what flowery sentiments were. Oh, well, it's... it's, it's so right, let's right, get let, to let's it. Do it. So Phil is going to be on stage directions. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and, uh, and just, I would yeah. say, I would say just like, well, we didn't even get the, the first page. So just uh, say no. that we're... Right? Oh, we don't have right. that part though, but that's okay. Well, just read that part. All, All right, right, go uh, ahead. Thank you. No, I'm going to need it. I will give it back to you as soon as I'm done. I'm, I'll bring All more right. copies next time, guys. Cool. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Exterior, Becca's house. Becca's bedroom. Becca walks in and sets her flowers on her desk and looks at them and smells them. Jake follows her in. As Becca smells the flowers, she notices something. Jake, honey, these flowers are fake. Yeah, I know. And there's a perfect explanation behind it. Oh, really? Yeah. He holds up the flowers to her. The day these flowers die is the day I will stop loving you. She looks at him, smiles with so much enthusiasm, and kisses him on the lips. She sets the flowers on her desk next to a flaming candle. The candles flame the lights, the flowers on fire. The candle flame lights the flowers on fire. <laughs> All right, this is thanks. important. Why don't you read? Why, let me be Becca. No, you um, got it. Fine. She sets the flowers on her desk next to a flaming candle. The candles, the, the candle flame, flame, the candle flame lights the flowers on fire. The candles flame. Sorry, sorry. The candle flame lights the flowers on fire and burns them to ash. 
Jake and Becca look at the flowers burning. Okay, that doesn't count. And blackout. And blackout. Um. <laughs> so this is also like this is also like a very dark, uh, I guess a dark comedy in a way, which is kind of very strange. Oh, personally, I know you said that you don't you can't defend anything you wrote in this, but I think this scene is a perfect little nugget that you could actually shoot and it would actually get a laugh. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, I just, I God, fucking the day these flowers dies, the day they'll stop loving you is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I know, but it's, but it's per- like it's a perfect you know, parody. That's your that's how he feels, and then this is how he is uh, greeted for his having that that much love or wistfulness. Yeah, that was I think that was kind of what I was going for. I think it's an ahead of it's an ahead of your time. Fuck my life moment. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I, I who knows? Or maybe I was just being an asshole. No, who knows? All right, so moving on. This next scene to uh, set it up for us. This is the. Oh, this is the party yeah. scene. Yes. Okay. So when I thought when I when I was seventeen, I never got to go to really any parties. So I, what I thought the coolest things happened with parties was that everyone would make out and eventually have sex. So, um, <laughs> well, your favorite movie was Chasing Amy. So it you was, see why yeah. That was so um, and this is also I think the, around the time that Can't Hardly Wait came out. Oh, I so, love that movie. Yeah, that movie is really great. Yeah. So this uh, to to set this up, um, Jake is at a party with a with his friends. And a girl named Julie uh, approaches him and, um, I guess, takes him upstairs to seduce him at, in a bedroom of the party. Okay. So here we go. Great. Exterior, party, bedroom. The door to a bedroom in the house opens as Julie and Jake walk in. Julie walks in casually and Jake walks in very nervous. Looks like you got your voice back. Yeah, they said it's uh, common around this age at this time in a teen's life. Oh. Julie lays on the bed. So Jake... Tell me, you ever played Pirates of Coney Island? Jake can't believe what he is hearing. What? How far have you gone with a girl? Jake is still stunned. Never outside of city limits. No, I mean in like a sexual way. Oh. Jake thinks hard for a moment. Well, uh, one time I was at a Suicide Machines concert and this girl rubbed her boob against my arm. But I don't think that really counts, does it? Julie shakes her head. Okay, well, how about this? Uh, one day after school, I was supposed to meet up with Wendy the Mattress, and I showed up, and no, wait, that was Porky's. Julie rubs the bed. Want to sit down? On that bed? Well, do you have a better place? No, it's just that usually beds are sleep- for sleeping and for something else. Is there a problem with that? Uh, no, no problem. I'm, I'm coming, you crazy vixen. Jake slowly walks towards the bed. <laughs> Uh, uh, Julie continues to caress the bed sheets. Jake slowly sits down on the bed. He looks around nervously as Julie leans her head on her hand. As Julie leans her head on her hand, she stares at him. So, this is a bed? <laughs> you know what I like about you, Jake? What's that? Your cuteness. She slowly drags her finger down Jake's chest. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Jake nervously moves as she drags her fingers. You seem nervous. What do you mean? This kind of thing happens to me every day. Julie leans over and kisses Jake passionately. Jake falls back on the bed as she, he kisses Julie. Julie breaks and looks at Jake. She moves down and we hear a zip and we know what is going on. <laughs> Jake's face looks very relaxed and then suddenly his face completely turns from relaxed to concerned and he looks down at Julie. What are you doing? What do you mean? You know you aren't actually supposed to blow. That's what I thought sex was. I know, but that's 
hilarious. I mean, I know that when you were writing this, you were taking it serious. I assume you were taking it pretty seriously, but to read it in hindsight, it reads like a really well done sketch. To be kind honest. of, yeah. I guess like it's got I, the nice yeah. build, you know, yeah. beginning, middle, and end, the punchline. Well, you know what? I'm glad that you're around and <laughs> give me this because I'm gonna rewrite this and I'm gonna send this. <laughs> what is it? What is it called, by the this way? This is this is called the Amorist because I thought that that made me sound sophisticated. The Amorist. Yeah, someone oh. who is always or perpetually always in love. I think is supposed to be what that means. The amor. <laughs> Amor. Amorist. Amorist is, good. Amorist is Amorist, fine. Amorist, yeah. So. Are we? Uh, we have one more. We do have one more, and we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, Kent involved in this one too. Kent, if you could be on the stage directions, um, set up the scene for us. The, please, I mean, this Josh. is so essentially. Um, but I don't see is Jake in the scene. Yes, he is. Yes, he's just silent. For, he's a sil- he's silent for two or three pages. Um, so in in this is like a couple days after Jake has broken up with his girlfriend Becca, who dumped him for um, a better. Uh, a more popular, better-looking dude, who, which actually, which actually did happen to me. I uh, thought you weren't dating anybody in high school. I actually, uh, oh my god, th- this story is so true. It's scaring the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> I had actually started. I, I started dating this girl from another high school for like two or three days, and then uh, after a couple, like a week, she came in and she was, and I was like head over heels with in love with this girl. And then after that, she just, she came in and she's like, "We can't date each other each other anymore because I want to date Roland, who is from is like a senior and he's uh, cooler." And fucking I was like, Roland. Fucking Roland. So I hate that guy. Who, yeah. I hate, God his, bless. His Maybe they're married. Roland. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but um, yeah. You want so? So this scene is pretty much like a autobiographical a carbon copy of what happened. Yeah, life. except my friends didn't come by and try to wake me up when I was depressed. So, but, but, you, but wishful thinking. Wishful thinking, in a way. But let's, uh, yeah, let's 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 dive in. Put All on right. your swimsuits, on kids. <laughs> Interior, Jake's house, Jake's bedroom. Days later, we see a lifeless body lay in the bed. We hear a knock on the door, and Eric sticks his head in. He walks in the room and is then followed by Matt. They look at the bed and stand at the foot. They stare at Jake's body on the bed. He took it pretty hard. Yeah, he really liked that girl. Must have. I've never seen him like this before. To tell you the truth, as many years as I have been his best friend, I have never really seen him with a girl before. Well, no wonder he's taking it so hard. So are we going to do something, or are we going to stand here and watch him get morning wood? Oh, I think we're too late. <laughs> the two walk to each side of the bed and slowly lay down beside Jake. Jake's body turns to Matt, and Jake's eyes open slowly to be greeted by Matt's giant, by Matt's giant smile. Morning, baby. Jake's body turns to the opposite side to be met by Eric. I dreamt about you last night. Jake sits up from his bed and rubs his head. How are you holding up? I haven't left this bed in four days. Four days? What have you been doing? Reminiscing about Becca, what I did wrong, if I did anything wrong, I just don't get it. Eric puts his arm around Jake's shoulder. Dude, she just thought of another guy to be more she just thought of another guy to be more attractive than you are. Uh, did you just come over here to make me feel even worse? No, there's a story behind this. You remember when I went out with Rachel? Yeah. Well, she broke up with me for another guy, right? And I broke down just like you are now. But you know what happened? You met Katie. Right, that too. But also a couple of weeks after she broke up with me, she calls up, calls me up asking if I would ever consider getting back together with her. And you know what I did? What? I told her if she did an orgasm over the phone, I would consider it. She did. I recorded <laughs> it and called her parents late at night and played it. She was sent to an all-girls school in Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> oh... So what you're saying is that I should get Becca to do an orgasm over the phone? What Eric is trying to say, Jake, 
is that another girl will come around and Becca will realize the mistake she's made, but it will be too late. No, you don't understand. Jake lays back down on the bed. (sighs) I don't want anyone else. I'm still in love with her. I felt so alone because you guys were with Katie and Stacy, and before I met Becca and the feeling went away so quickly, and now I'm back where I feel all alone. Come on, man. You gotta get out of here. You know how many girlfriends I had in the last two years? Becca? Yeah. Don't let that discourage you, man. It it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, be glad you didn't do anything you'd regret, like boning her. Don't say that, man. What do you want me to say? Mattress Mambo? Riding the... Do it. Do it. What does it say? Do it. It's the... Just try try to read it. Just read it. No! (laughs) Fine. Riding the Fufane main train? What the fuck is it? (laughs) Mr. Told Wild Ride? What? What the Hey. It's the Fufane main train. It, this is something that you That's, have to use. At, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's just yeah. continue. Stay right. in the scene. I look at it this way, Jake. Be thankful you didn't turn out like Conrad. Oh yeah, that must really suck to be him. Well, I guess I can see your point there. We'll see now. Don't you feel better? Yeah, man. And we got a party this weekend. Tons of chicks there. Maybe you will meet someone. History repeats itself. Matt becomes impatient. What happened to Conrad? Okay, that was the... Wait, hold on. So blackout, right? That's the end of the yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's more, but we don't have to read that little last... Matt has oh, this little see. semi-monologue. Do you want oh, to read... I didn't see it. Do you want to read I it? I didn't... I didn't uh, it's it's, so, it? it's it. so fucking insane. Do here. you have it? Yeah, I yeah. have it right here. This is this is when Matt, okay. Matt, tries to, Matt tries to make Jake feel better. Damn it, man. That's it. I try to be patient with you. We tried to reason, but now you're just being a bitch. Listen... <laughs> You gotta get up from this bed full of potato chip crumbs and splurge stains and make something of your days before you become a crippled old man wondering where in the hell his youth went and why he can't keep track of his slutty daughter. (laughs) That's it. Get up from this bed and get dressed because we're gonna go out. That's it. There you go. Cool. Josh, I don't think this is half bad. No, not at all. To be totally honest with you. Fantastic. But, But also because you were so free, you know, I feel like now... Now we have so much. We have, we have we a lot of editors. Over-educated. We have a lot of editors. And, too and educated, too critical of ourselves. And this is this is. I think it's funny. I mean, oh, you, weren't, good. you weren't writing it to be funny. You were writing it because you were deeply depressed. But it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. It's like reading it over. I was just like, man, this is like bad. But also like, there was some funny stuff in here. Like there there was like some funny little jokes in there that were just like really corny and stupid. I don't but know. Also, Maybe like, you should punch it up. I'll punch it up. This will be like my teen comedy. Punch it up. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know. Like this is, uh, there are so many things in here that were reflective of the time, uh, of my time then uh, that were just so, I don't, yeah, it was just so strange. I do you, do you remember, this is a big, like it's a 74 page script. It's total. 74 pages. And do you remember when you finished it, mm-hmm. how you felt? Did you feel a sense of relief? Did you feel like you had gotten a really important message out? I I think what I, what I did was that um, yeah, actually, what's really funny is that I I this kind of made me realize like how powerful writing was for me, and kind of like I was I didn't write poems because poems to me just seemed like I just wasn't a good poet. Uh, short stories I could do short stories but also like it just didn't follow the the way that I considered dialogue to to be written out so I wrote it like a screenplay so like after I was done writing I was like well you know what yeah I do feel a little bit better about this and the other thing was that I would go to girls and be like hey I wrote I wrote a I wrote a movie and they're like what you actually wrote it's like yeah and they're like what was it about and you're like oh it's about this oh so you ended up using your I can't get girls chip to get girls by I mean 
dude. That's not bad. That, that's it's very kinda, that's very high fidelity. That's very much the same racket I had in high school. <laughs> but, you, but you know what? It was funny because like. I, I, it was so weird because once that finally happened, girls would be like, oh, well, maybe you can write me in your next movie. I was like, oh, maybe I could, you know, if we, what are you doing Friday night? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it, I, I think that between, I was a very active kid, but also like, I think that growing up, I wasn't, especially in Texas, like you kind of weren't given this outlet of like being able to be a little bit creative and a little bit emotional and being able to write things with your emotions. That's why I started doing this. Um, but, the, but being in a band, that's where the pussy is. Totally. Totally. And I hated that because and, I, yeah, I, I feel a lot of similarities because, uh, with you in terms of high school, because it was always, I'm sorry. I'm sorry did, I, did I upset you? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, Continue. Just, okay. Continue your thought. Be- because um, I was always in that position too, where I was the single one, and then my two friends always had girlfriends who also had female friends yeah. who also had nothing they, that they wanted to do with me. Mm-hmm. So it was always like you know, sort of, sort of that. I, this is so very remarkably close to exactly what I was going through in high school. Except I wrote a zombie movie. I didn't finish it. That's pretty it awesome, was, though. It was like, yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah. tried to write a horror movie at some point, and it was, it actually, because I was thinking about it the other day because I really wanted to bring that in as well, which was basically a copycat killer of famous murders from horror movies. Nice. And so the whole idea was supposed to be the kids who were kind of the, the scream uh, or the horror movie experts were supposed to like figure out what the next kill was going to be and how to stop it. It was actually kind of cool. Now that I, you know what? That, that is kind of cool. That's cool. We'll come That's back a great idea. We'll, we'll, you guys we'll can't take that because this is on, yeah. I, I first came up with it. So if anybody writes that film, I had that, I had that idea first. Well, the 10 people that w- listened so far. Hey, no, hey, hey, no, hey, 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 hey. No, no. We tracked, we tracked at least 100. Yes. I'm teasing. A lot of I'm people teasing. listen Don't to this Don't look at me like show. that. It's new. We're, we're in our infancy. Yeah. We are in our infancy. Um, That's what the show is about. This yeah, so I mean, writing writing was yeah. I feel like I really did kind of like you know s- settle up some demons with this. You know, I would I would finish my homework a lot of the time during high school, and I'd like spend the rest of the afternoon or the evening like writing this. I that's really impressed with it. I'm really because I it does have it has the emotional content that you need, but it's actually it in, it includes a lot of subtlety that a lot of like teenage writing doesn't. I guess right. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm a genius. I mean, yeah, I mean, what I'm like, saying I'm, is you're a prodigy. I'm pretty, like, I was way ahead of my time, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know why I went to high school. Like, <laughs> like you, I should have been in college by this time. I mean, you didn't even need college, who's to say? No, just call me Doogie Hauser and put me through grade school. Yeah. And then just, like, make me a doctor. That's, that's how it's and done. And then you get to play Hedwig on Broadway. So. Who, well, I do have the, I do have the heels. Nice. Okay, next time we're gonna next time we're gonna do <laughs> nice. heels and nipple glitter. All right, uh, so Josh, yes, I'm gonna give you a present because you okay. know how the show goes. Thank you. Um, this is uh, something that I've actually uh, had my eye on for you for a while. Oh my god! Um, and I hope that you use it well. It is from my notebook collection that okay. I kept when I was, you know, whatever. Okay, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, Phil has seen this before. It's a notebook. It's a little notebook with the cr- creepy ass Lisa Frank oh style clown god. on the front, and it says "peace." And he's holding a fucking dove. Yeah, 
So that's uh, how he lures you in, and then he fucking oh cuts your throat. This looks like Pennywise's like younger sister. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's definitely a female kind of vibe, but you can you can write your next masterpiece in that. Uh, oh in that my god! Order. This like all my new stuff from Maniac are gonna go right into here. <laughs> I was uh, like, this is you have no idea how many notebooks I go through within like a month. Oh, so perfect. This is perfect. Real quick, plug Maniac before we uh, yeah. before we sign off. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, Maniac, my my one person uh, character show, I'm doing again in April at the Loft uh, in in New York City. So if you if you if you like um, insane shit like uh, glitter, uh, not glitter, but confetti and blood and all, and this going really cool. from zero to a hundred, don't sit in the first row. Or don't sit in the, it's like a. What, I love the way you described it, Phil. You said it's like a Stooges album on stage. Ah, yeah. that's that's great. it. That's exactly it. I love the show. That's that's and what that's going to really, be April fifteenth, right? April fifteenth at awesome. eleven o'clock. So awesome. come, uh, uh, drunk out of your minds and is stoned out of your minds. That the 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 more inebriated you are, the better. <laughs> so, I, I might I might be making an appearance as a ribbon dancer. Nice. Yes. This is a yes. mad aggressive fun show. Yes, and it's one guy and and a ribbon dancer. Yeah, well, I, I do I do put some friends of mine in, and actually I think if you are friends of Frankie Z who and who isn't, uh, he's he is going to most likely do one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on stage. Don't before. spoil it. I'm not going to. spoil I know it. what it is, and it's it's pretty amazing. It's gonna be fucking killer. It, awesome. it, April fifteenth at the Pit Loft. You have to. You have to come by. Yes. Cool. And follow me on Twitter, and I'll just I'll I'll. Uh, Plug it there if you guys ever forget. So. At, Josh At Josh underscore Krebs. K R E B S, not double B's because. Uh, no CRs. No, no, no. KRs. No. You're confusing them. K- uh, order. K R E B S. Josh, mm-hmm. we love you and we're so glad that you did this show with us. And I'm sure we'll have you back. I'm so excited. Yes. You, you guys have no idea. This is a dream for me. Thank uh, you so much. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, and yes. for all you listeners out there. Uh, if you live in LA, we're doing a show May 7th uh, at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown Comics in Hollywood. And if you're in New York, stay tuned for another live New York date in April. Uh, and otherwise, you know. Safe travels. Safe travels. That's some crispy chicken. We have well, to find we, it. Yeah, we still don't have a fucking us, tagline. Give Somebody us give us a tagline. Go at, <laughs> at uh, Phil Casal. Text me a tagline or send me a tagline or at the underscore bitch underscore C. And also at yours, what's yours? At Lissa is a person. All the twitters. All, all the, the twitters. twitters. Just come to us. Give us give us things to say. But also know that your angst can be translated to high art at some point in your life. Woohoo! Write a seventy-two page script. Seriously, it's like time travel joke writing. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome. Good night, guys. Good night, guys, see ya. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. 
Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. They scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque <laughs> club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!